Your show's rubbish. This is the D Trout Spinners podcast with me, Mars Pennell, and a Mr. Gary Forrestal, or to to give me his full introduction, Boo, you're unbelievable. All right, so that was thank you. Oh, it's like Michael Parkinson. Yeah, welcome. Take a seat. Take a seat, sir. Take a seat. Can I just I've been worried about saying this because I'll just quickly say that last week I said that I, I EMF unbelievable. I put that in our library because when I was younger, I used to imagine walking out to TV chat shows or award ceremonies with that music playing. Now, one thing I just want to clarify is that I was that's that might seem arrogant. There was no arrogance. I wasn't expecting that I should be walking out to that. I was just dreaming that it would happen. I was never thinking, oh, God, I'm I'm already God. I've got some bread material. My stand up. I've got a bit of got a bit of stuff. I, I should be I should be coming out to that music. I never thought, oh, I should be coming out. to. I always thought, oh, I, I, I just dream down, 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 down. Anyway, one, yeah, I'm Gary Forrestal, and that's it for me today. See you later. One day it will happen. Anyway, this is uh, the D Trout Spinners podcast, uh, a retrospective of the Ricky Gervais, Steve Merchant, and Carl Pilkerton XFM shows. And basically, each week we uh, we we listen to a a new show, we listen to an old show, and we look over it and we inspect it and try and find goodies and treats and XFM quotes apart and we we look under the bonnet and all the all the analogies that you can think of we do that to the show um some people say we repeat ourselves when we're doing that a little bit we do repeat ourselves a bit i just did it just then but some people like that so if you do like us repeating ourselves do let us know get in touch with us because we, we we're after some good feedback at the moment some people say that we repeat ourselves so sometimes you know <laughs> you're feeling a bit low it when i was when i was speaking there i could see in miles's eyes he wasn't listening he was just focusing <laughs> and he does that when he's got an email to read and i'm saying something he was just focused and he he was he was so focused and i was like are you listening to me or what and he he was so focused to do that bit did it and it worked anyway yes so thank you this is episode i think we're we're doing 23 today i think oh, is that oh, right? 20, oh. wow time flies um this was in actually mars mars will tell you the exact date i was just kind of i was just kind of riffing it's roughly february okay. I think. mars is now going to speak for a little while and he's not going to um stumble on his words if he does he's not going to allow to edit this so you have to put it out exactly how it goes out <laughs> Miles is going to give a little pricey, a little little outline of the show, and then we're gonna we're gonna discuss it. So go on, Miles. No. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, cool. This week we discuss episode 24, February 1st, 2003. Carl slags off clairvoyance, Ricky slags off God, and Stephen slags off Carl. Then punches him in the arm. This is also the birth of Carl. In a film, Gary, I ask it every single week. What were you doing on February 1st, 2003? Um, I was... Not radio. Come on, not radio. Come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on. Be be with it. Come on, you can't just say nothing, Carl. Um, I was... Baby, fat baby, fat baby on telly. Fat baby. I don't know. I was, I was working at Asda in some form or other, I think. Fish yeah. counter. Mr. Fish. No, actually, no, I'd done at Asda, done at John Lewis. Where did I work next? Can't remember. Maybe I was just in a hammock somewhere, probably. Yeah. 
when um, you came up to Maya Hammock, did they have boom? He's unbelievable. You're in a hammock. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what I was doing, mate. What were you doing? Because well, I never asked you, but you were at school and stuff, weren't you? 13, mate. I was 13. 13? I was like 19. How can you? For God's sake, why are you so young? I had a, I remember because I probably is that that's probably the age where you started high school and I'd actually started high school under the worst circumstances because I broke my leg. Yeah. How I broke my leg was, you know, those sort of bouncy play areas that you go to when you're a kid or a teenager in my case. And and there were two. Yeah, there were like two and like ball pits and death slides and all that stuff. And there's two of the these sort of rollers that you sort of throw yourself through and you sort of roll through. Anyway, the, the the lads I went with, they were they were trying to show off, and they went over the top one, like the the top rolly bit, and they yeah. were doing these backflips and landing on their feet quite uh, theatrically. I was quite a short chap then, well I still am, and a five foot eight, and uh, I went over, did a backflip, but then landed on the sole of my feet. So the the sort of crux, the top of my foot, I was I, I sat that's on. That's where you want to land, isn't it? Like that's the you know, idea. I sort of landed on like my feet completely caved in. They concoved and I landed and broke the the sort of ridge of, of my um foot. Did and you I go to hospital on. and say hello? I've got a concoved leg. <laughs> no, what I actually did was I went at the top of my lungs. I shouted, "Shit! Fuck!" Yeah, we well, did. I did get a free coke out of it, you know, and loads of people were, you know, give me a lot of love and attention, which is, you know, that's all you wanted at 13, isn't it? And that's that's since then. That's the only love and attention Mars has got. Yeah. And I, I'm one to speak before you say. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a that's a tragic, harrowing story. Yeah. Um, and thanks for brightening it up. Brightening it, was, it was my advantage, you know, for, for a lot of, you know, people sort of they do give you a bit of sympathy. But then when, when that passes, then you're you're one of the norms. You, you're just yeah, you're one of the two leggers. So, uh, Gary, completely unprompted. What are your initial thoughts? Yeah, um, good editing skills. You just uh, there's a little bit of audio that's been cut out there. Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, it's not one of my favourite shows. I think I don't think there's any particularly really memorable moments. It's not bad, and I got uh, five more than five quotes. So there's more than five really funny quotes. And we've said before, this Mark Commode says, you know, a film, if a film's got six laughs, you're doing really well. It's, if it's a comedy, even the less good shows, such as this one, in my opinion, um, have a lot of laughs in them. But it's not, there's nothing that stands out really. Carl in a film is very good, very good fit. And actually, it shows Carl off in a brilliant light. He's a brilliant editor. And for him to conceive and to edit that together is very good. And I think it shows that he's a very good editor, which mm. is what Andrew Phillips told us, didn't he? When when yeah. he was, Carl is actually a very good editor. But apart from that, there's no there's no standout moments, and I'm I'm left kind of thinking, you know, it's one. Yeah, I probably I'll get halfway through and and usually skip. Obviously, I listen back fully because we were doing this, and it was good. It was fine. It was entertaining. There's funny bits, but they're just they're kind of isolated and on their own. They're not really surrounded by other other good audio. They're, there and it's good it's a good show i would listen to it it's just not my favorite show to give you one of those examples actually i I find this it's like a show of two halves like it really kicks in for me uh towards the end of the show where carl is being they're they're having a go at carl because he doesn't check fact check stuff and he's saying 
are talking about a, a monkey that's you know had crap tattooed on its on its on its head which is you know it's quite funny but then yeah. he said why do, why do you need to know all the facts why because so what some other mentalist believes it so they'd make all that stuff like you spout your idiocy on a radio station and yeah. so they'd be saying like to go for that much effort and then um they talk about the Iceman and the Iceman chat for me is like the highlight of this bit but he says um why do you find that more fascinating simply because it's true I find it more fascinating from, from Ricky can I just say to you I it's interesting you say that because I find the Iceman chat definitely the least the the thing i like listening to on this episode the least i've always found it the least and actually if i'm ever on this episode and it gets to the Iceman chat i'll skip over it i really? just i just yeah i just don't find it interesting i don't find it that funny it's kind of it, with Carl's Carl's stories it's either they're they're funny if they're very absurd or they're absolutely based on truth now this the story Carl's telling is based on truth they did discover it but there's just never I think one thing I, I'm I'm listening to the show and I'm thinking, especially with the Iceman chat, it's a good example. There there was potential for much funnier lines. Now I'm not saying I listen to the show and I can come up with funnier stuff than Ricky, Carl, and Steve. I can't. But after you listen to these shows time and time again, you start to think. I, like there's a few moments in this show where I think, ah, that was there was such good potential for Ricky to say something like da da da, or something like specifically like or give one of his particular insults at that moment to Carl. And so I'm left feeling frustrated during this show because I feel it's kind of got a lot of wasted opportunities. And the Iceman chat for me is just not, it's just not that interesting. Well, it's just, I, don't think, I don't think something has to be, you know, like laugh out loud funny. He doesn't need to react to something. Ricky and Carl, you know, yeah, of course they might have missed opportunities. But that, of course it, of course it doesn't need to be laugh no, What I'm saying is that the context of the conversation is more interesting to me because it's a conversation about what is truth. You know, why should you believe something just because it's it's written down? You know, anyone could write something on the internet. You don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but yeah. what I like about the the Iceman chat is they're having a debate over like what interests Carl. Like what what does he find amazing? Why why do people find that amazing as opposed to <laughs> a monkey that has a tattoo on its head, which is more which is funnier. And then he's saying, but what's what's the point? So they dig him up again and find out that he's eating uh, seeds and nuts. So leave it. Let's bury it. That that line that will be in my favourite quotes. But that is, oh, I just like the how quickly he delivers that. And it's just it's because it's kind of true, isn't it? You go, yeah, people live before us and they eat seeds and eat seeds and nuts. Yeah. And you're like, so what? You're like, but then they're saying, you know, uh, Stephen Carl, which they do try to get one up on Carl, don't they? Here because it's very easy to look clever against Carl, which is something that I'm quite critical about them. You know. It's easy for me to, you know, <laughs> sit in a room full of bonobos and, <laughs> a mentalist. <laughs> no, but I, I just like, I agree. There's some, it's kind of interesting hearing them talk about that point that is, is a deeper and wider point than the actual context of the conversation they're having, which is about the Iceman. But I just feel Ricky, the way Ricky and Steve react to it just doesn't generate the comedy it potentially could have done. I, that's just for no. me but, uh, you know um miles and i are just gonna now have a 10 minute argument off air about this particular <laughs> come back welcome back um oh, we didn't we didn't actually didn't edit anything out there but we, so we, we, I, I like at the start of the episode they're talking about um carl was having one of his many rants about the builders let's go imagine his job he has to come around he, he doesn't understand why builders have to come around so early if we get start put the light on so carl seems to have uh, a pervasive that's a good, kind that's of, a, 
Yeah, but that's kind of like, again, Carl's stupidity takes a very intelligent form because even though that is, you know, if you think logically, yeah, builders kind of work by the day and they kind of, they, so they, and obviously it's much easier for them with natural light, but it is a completely logical thing. If you take all that out to just think, if it gets dark, turn the light on. Do you know what I mean? You can turn the light. We don't live in a caveman society. Miles grew up in one in Ipswich, but we don't live. We've got electricity now. So there's. We could probably do an episode on carbon builders. My favourite one is um. It's going to be in a later episode. Um. Hides the uh hides the biscuits and. Hang on a minute. If we're here, we're good, and that means your your uh, radio is tuned to XFM, which I assume he's listening to. Yeah, yeah. That's because Carl Will's suddenly like because he really <laughs> is slagging them off and like. If they heard, they probably would. We say, what's the pub like across the road? <laughs> it doesn't matter, isn't it? You, you, you're working in there. You don't do what? Think of saying that to a building. He probably wants to know if he gets cheese and tomato sandwich and not an hour lunch break like Carl Wilkinson. <laughs> because it's, um, but that's so funny. Well. The fact that Carl, I wouldn't dream of saying that to a builder. But there was a time when, when I was, um, my toilet was blocked for about two weeks in my old flat. And it was so, obviously, if you don't have a toilet, it's easy. Just pop the pop the U bend, pop the down the U bend, and I just spat at my. Oh God! A few times I'm glad you're not sitting the side. Oh, does yeah, he does pro- project with his um with his saliva sometimes. With the syllable. It was it was funny. Yeah, because... God, I'm interested in this story actually. What happened? Oh, t- the toilet was blocked for about two weeks, right? And we we weren't sure why it was blocked. And I tried at the plunger and all that stuff. That you're only getting comics, aren't you, plungers? And um and I just stuck my hand down did all that stuff got bleach acid pretty much <laughs> acid just to just to dissolve whatever was in there anyway i went on one of my my rants like what the fuck is this agency doing why didn't they just come around and sort the fucking toilet out having to use the bathroom at my work and being very very angry and passionate about this all came to a head when eventually the agency came around and we were quite on, on friendly terms and I was like to my girlfriend, I said, right, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to have such a fucking go at him. He walks through the door and I was like, hello, you're right. <laughs> come in, come in, do you want a cup of tea? You're right. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. Don't, do not worry about the toilet. Do not. He's like, is it, mate, don't worry about it. It's been absolutely fine. We'll be going in a bucket. Don't worry about it. The thing is, I know that's true. I know, as Ricky said to Carl, I know that's true. I know, I've seen that. But you've also just heard a preview of Miles's one-man show. He's doing an Edinburgh this year. He's doing a toilet blockage show. Well, good, good job there's no Edinburgh this year because no one's going to want to hear that. But yeah. it's that sort of unbridled rage. You don't know where to direct it. But Carl... I, it, I assume you were you were like 21, 22 then. A lot of people are like you that. You were. <laughs> 31. <laughs> it was in the future, yeah. But Carl will be that director. He's got no qualms if you know. Think of saying that to a builder. You... I know, yeah. Bear in mind, he's not saying it. He's exaggerating to what he actually said to the builder. But the main thing is, like, saying what he's saying about them on a national or a local radio station where they could well be listening, actually really slagging them off. That's da- It's like, it's obviously you don't, I don't go around slagging people off and it's kind of not. No, I, d- I don't. <laughs> you kind of, people slag me off, but I'm, I'm generous to them. But you don't go around slagging people off. But there's certain people you never slag off, your hairdresser. Always, because you don't want them to yeah. think oh, I'm just going to cut a bit into his hair, the wanker. You know, there's a hairdresser I went to. He loves football. I like football. He's obsessed with it. He's sort of, but he was, a, he's an Arsenal fan. He's really getting on like Spurs are fucking wankers. You know, like, and I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 the wankers. I, I support Watford, but I really love Arsenal. Yeah. Well. But so just because I you don't know, know what that means, I, I, I know. But builders, a lot of builders, there's been those expose shows 
where you do pop a little bit of urine in the salt cellar. You do wipe your genitals on the on the kitchen sponge. You know, you, do, you can do these things. So you, you, they they kind of you're in their hands. So and you should never ever slag off anyone that is serving you food. Yeah, absolutely. Hundred percent. No, and definitely not whether it's a fast food joint or you know five star Michelin star restaurant. You do not slag them off because they they you are in their beck and call. Like you are under their power, even if you're paying, which you know. Yeah. I, try to avoid but <laughs> there, was, there, was a, there was a funny um there was a i i subscribed to viz i'd, I'd advise anyone to do the same because it's it's very good so i just get their sort of quotes and things and they have these pretend little things where as if as if someone's writing into a problem page or solution page and it was just i'm just i can't find it so i'm just i just try and paraphrase it it said if you um send your food back at a pub you're basically asking the chef to rub his genitals all over it. And I should know, I was the head chef of a, of a small uh, rural um, countryside restaurant until they installed CCTV. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, but that's not a true story. That's just no, a, be really, no, not really. But yeah, that that's, that's a, anyway, yeah, that didn't work because you, you were treating it as something that was real. Like you thought that there was a real story behind that. <laughs> he opens the bag. It's 32 Levi's. It's a jacket. Jacket. Oh. One of my favourite lines. Yeah. And obviously we talked about Carl in a film. Very good. Actually, the highlight of the show for me. The Twix Sense. The Twix senses are great. They never really stick with that name. They never mention the Twix sense again because it's obviously to do with that that particular film. But it's still it's a it's a great name for the show. But yeah, great editing skills and uh, I just love it because the name of the child in it is Cole, isn't it? So it sounds like yeah. so when Cole's listening to it, he watched that film. It does sound like she's saying Carl. And that's uh, a terrifying uh, scene though in that film when um they're under the bed sheets and she turns around at one point the girl. And she's like just being like being like she's being, it's the young girl and um Hayley Joel Osmond obviously and uh, she's being like sick, but the sick is like porridge. It's like Scottish oat porridge and it's coming out. I remember seeing that when I was like when that film was all the rage. That was a very popular film at that time with uh, one of his M like Shamalamalamalons um infamous twist endings. That was particularly repulsive. That was one of the first horror films I remember that I saw and I was like, ugh. Yes, well, it's not really horror. It's more of a psychological kind of thriller. But it's more horrifying than a horror film, I find. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched it all the way because it's because it's a film. Well, it's also not it's also not the King's Speech. So. No speech. So which is the uh, only from the Gary scene ever. If just the King, that. if the King isn't trying to overcome a stutter, I'm not interested. That's, that's why, but no, um, I've seen. I have actually seen a lot more films than I let on, but I haven't seen that. But I remember when it came out, like I was at school, probably fourteen, fifteen. Everyone was talking about. It. Everyone was. So I was like, and we went to a classroom. Uh, someone had just just written on the whiteboard, as it was, um, he's dead in big letters. Like just. Yeah. It's like it's everyone was trying to give away that he's dead. You know. Uh, I once had a friend who. <laughs> I once had a friend, end of story, who was... Um, See you later, next week. He was, uh, for whatever reason, we sort of fell out. And I sort of, we always had like this sort of back and forth teasy relationship. And there was one lesson where I, <laughs> he just went through every film and ruined the ending. Captain Jack, Dead Man's Chest, he dies. All right? Bond. He, he whatever. <laughs> Shanks and woman. Um, yeah, that uh, that truly is prattish behaviour, and I would I would usually let people off that because you're obviously young then, you're a child, but 
I've known Miles to be to do that sort of thing. Me, but not really. Yeah, yeah uh, that's that's an interesting anecdote, Miles. Thanks for that. Anyway, yeah. So, sorry, I'm just trying to think of a way to respond. In yeah. this episode, they do they talk about being Ricky Gervais's mate. I wish I was Ricky Gervais's mate. Who says that? Who says that? That's a good. But um, they ask Carl. So what what do you think of it? What do you think of being Gervais's uh, mate? This is oh, uh, imagine if you were sharing a cell room with Ricky. He says that would be good, wouldn't it? That'd be good. That'd be good. Well, I'd be the daddy, wouldn't I? Carl, Carl says an interesting thing. He says it's all right for about an hour, and I can totally imagine that with Ricky. And actually, if you listen, Ricky actually he doesn't. He's not like furiously annoyed. But he really takes umbrage to that. Like usually you say something about Ricky's got big fat tits and he he'll laugh a lot. He's like, yeah, like get I'll get him out and you can suck him or you know, whatever. He's he just completely laughs on. But when Carl says it's all right for about an hour and then it starts he's like, We went to lunch, that was more than an hour. We we met uh, like you can tell he's actually get he kinda takes offence to that, saying it's all right for an hour. Because I yeah, think that's true. he likes the piss being taken out of him. But actually with that one, for some reason he kind of he, t- he does take umbrage. Well, no, one, no, one wants, no one wants to hear that they're bad company. They're intolerable to hang out with. Yeah, but most of the time, you know, Ricky Ricky kind of, if Steve sort of says that, you know, like says, oh, you know, I've got friends of friends who say he's, he must be annoying to be with. Ricky laughs along, you know, and he, he completely elongates the joke. He makes it longer, so he, he kind of just goes with it. But that, that little instance, I've always thought, he kind of, he does take offence to that. And he's uh, he doesn't like to say, oh, no, that's not. But he's, he's like, oh, we went for lunch, that was more than an hour. <laughs> well, you can sort of hear it under Carl's breath. He goes, I ate it. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's an interesting question, actually. Has any of the listeners of the show... Like, Slick it in there, Mars? Sorry, he just, he just <laughs> cut out a bit of himself um, stumbling over his words. But I'm one to speak because he's yeah, cut... He's well, the <laughs> I'll try again. Are there any bits that are kind of cut out or things that they've said just slightly off mic, any of the presenters, that you think that people have missed, but you've heard and you still find them funny? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. There's one like this. There's, there's still times now where I'll be listening to a show and I'll hear something that was said like off air slightly or off mic or just as they're going into record. And I think all these years I'd never ever ever heard that. So it still happens. Yeah. And some some of them are quite funny, but in general, it's so funny when you when you've listened to the shows how how often, as much as we have, you you pretty much know what's coming next. You could feel like you could transcribe them. You verbatim but it's funny like every now and again you sort of like hear something you haven't heard before and you're like oh what was that what's that but it's interesting because you no know, steve says is it different when there's three people in the room because then he starts just showing off which i actually think because ricky's obviously quite an extrovert person he does feed off people's energy doesn't he like he like uh, he likes an audience they've even yeah. said before like steve said before he's he's meant to say something at band-aid he says you don't get nervous do you ricky gervais doesn't get nervous mm. yeah but he was actually nervous then because he was introducing rem and that's what it takes to put ricky gervais on edge i can imagine that like, he is a very he likes a crowd he likes an audience you know that's yeah part of the look at me gene you know that comedians like all pro- probably have you know we all probably do have that to, to some well, degree. ironically there's a lot of comedians who are actually 
conversely, completely socially shy and introverted. Like Rod Gilbert did a great yeah, show. He's got proper anxiety. He can't walk up to someone in a, a bar and ask for a coffee, but he can stand in front of hundreds of maybe thousands of people and with a microphone. But there's something about Ricky doesn't have the the introvert thing at all. But but there are a lot of comedians who aren't just extroverts. They're actually introverts. In so, but Ricky is an extrovert. But yeah, think of how nerve wracking it must be to go out and present the Golden Globe, especially for the first time. Just go out and stand there on stage with all these people, these famous people who you know, or even just doing a huge stand-up show. Very rarely, yeah, well, Mars is doing it next year. The Oscars 2020. Oscars <laughs> have never been up. No, Ricky does never get nervous, really. And he that's an amazing, amazing trait to have because most people do feel nerves. But Ricky, especially after a beer, you know, he, he's... Yeah. Carl comes back to Suzanne. And says, uh, what have you been talking about with Ricky? There's nothing that I can say. And they said, um, the only way you can have a kid would be to sleep with a squid. What would you do? Yeah. And uh, anyone want a kid that one? (laughs) (laughs) But Ricky's taking it deadly serious. And they do actually do that in extras, you know, um, with his relationship with with Maggie. And they they do, what would you rather do? This or that, this or that, this or that. And, you know, he he does carry that on. That is a kind of motif, as you will, through his writing career. That's a great point, actually. I've never thought about this. But the Maggie character... It, she's absolutely not written to be like a female Carl Pilkington at all. But she is quite she's she's a very rounded character and she's very intelligent deep down as, as a character. But there are parts like she is quite slow to get things. And yeah, she, she, she that is they they're writing Carl into that really, aren't That's they? The Carl DNA, 100%. It's a great point. Great point. Yeah, thanks very much. I wrote it to be. Um, but it's I've never had a conversation like that with anyone. You know, actually, my conversation with my friends are often. <laughs> you know, when people go um, with your friends, what do you talk about? You go, oh, it's quite a hard thing to question because you don't really sit there and analyse your your conversations with your friends, do you? Because me and you. I don't really have like daft, silly chats with people. I often go, so tell me about your feelings. What are your emotions like at the moment? Well, I would just say we, we, yeah, our chats are usually either, they're either deep. They're actually, if we t- say, say we talk on the phone for two hours, which we've done quite a few times, an hour and a half will be, no, an hour will be deep kind of chat and stuff about where we're going in the future and where are we going with it. An hour will be quotes from the show related to what the other person has just said that fit in some way like we're just obsessed with quotes so so yeah i i um but no we don't have these daft sort of chats do we but most people don't but gary if you, if you did have to have a, a sleep with a squid to have a kid would you um i'd sleep with most things now i think yeah um letterbox no no i wouldn't i'm not that no i'm I've, not I've, that shallow of course i wouldn't no one would i think i don't want a kid anyway actually all right <laughs> it's getting a bit deep now let's let's go for a break trying to put a bloody bloody printer this week i got it for free because where'd you get it i've dyslexia from the uh student student um funding people funding they just sent me one one of the one of the many perks of having three legs and a student loan no i have uh oh, it's a grant actually um no i have uh, dyslexia so they sent me a free printer which is nice of them and I, I need it but i'm trying to i'm trying to work it and i cannot bloody work it so i'm going to just use it to put ornaments on put my More chest kind of ornaments if you got 
Uh, I've got a scented candle. Yankee? No, I think it's just... Um, version of the poor man's Yankee. I've got some DVDs I never watch. They're basically ornaments at this stage in my life. I've actually got some fish food as well from my fish. Do you remember Alan? Gary had a fish called Alan, the loneliest fish in the world. The Un- unmatched in Gary's own loneliness. Yeah. And they loved each other. We, we, he used to swim to his side. He did. He swam up as soon as he saw me. Oh, I love it. Because yeah, he, he wanted food, obviously. Yeah, he didn't want to see you. He just wanted and to. when he died, I took him to the beach to bury him. That's so sweet. Yeah. So I've still got his fish food. So I might, I've got, oh, that's an ornament. I've got two photos that I never put on the wall because all I've got is these. When my dad came round, he put some hooks in. I, I can't, I don't want to put any hook. I don't want to hammer. I don't want to pick up at all. Well, Gary was talking about earlier in the show, ladies and gentlemen, about his ex-girlfriend coming around to put up a bed to save himself 200 quid. When, when we split up, my ex-girlfriend and I, we were on speaking terms roughly. I was saying she owed me, not that I counted that much, but she owed me about £157.30. <laughs> she owed me about 150 I got my bed delivered from Argos and I was like, I, I almost expected someone to come and put it up for me from Argos, <laughs> but delivered. I hadn't even considered it. It was just all these pieces. I was like, there's no way I can do this. I can't do it. On the side, it said, for one. <laughs> it said assembly for one person. So it's, <laughs> yeah i rang up daisy and said daisy can you come can you come around i know you owe me some money i'll get i'll, I'll let you off all the money so she, <laughs> she came <laughs> to my flat. like she remembered the money like she was no, gonna she, get... she, no she would have but she, she was like she she built it but also it was gay pride and i live right near gay pride festival so she couldn't get a bus she had to walk through this crowded hot throngs of streets all the way to my flat toil over a bed and she put it up because when we were together she built all the furniture if we had a uh, set of drawers to live don't pathetic. you pathetic I know, I know it's pathetic but there you go so whilst, whilst, whilst people were out there you know staying up late and ironing their jeans you were inside setting up a bed for one with your ex-girlfriend well no i wasn't i didn't even help she she always says to me don't help you're making it worse you are making it worse she said you making this more difficult i don't like trying to hold a spanner or something it's like <laughs> i just imagine go hovering over again do you, want, do you want a cup of tea? She's like sweating, got like oil <laughs> over her forehead for no reason. But... Do you want a cup of tea? Kettle's in there, love, if you yeah. want. Listen, um, we're back. Yeah. This is the D Trout Spinners podcast with Miles and Gary. We're about to do some of our favourite quotes. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to start this week? Yeah, I will. Let's do. I've got four. Glorg, back in the ship. Yeah, that's good. Again, we've, I've already said it, but would anyone want a kid that much? It's very good. It's very um, good. I'd, I'd love that. When Carl's talking about aliens, I'd love that. I'd love that. I'd love that. Um, we've got Gibbon on the horn. <laughs> the way he kind of breaks because he, he does that thing, and I love it. I said talked about it before where he'll start, he'll start right close to something when he's taking the mick. If it's if it's Dickie Anders' nickname, if it's something like that, or if it's um Rodney Uplonka, like he'll start yeah. with something quite That's believable, simple. but then. He just sort of said, monkey, monkey, we've got Gibbon on the horn. Gibbon it doesn't mean horn. anything, but so I love that. He was walking in hills. He was walking in, in, hills. in hills. That's funny. Oh, OK. So this this is a quote that is uh, it's quite long. It's a combination of Steve and Ricky, but I included it anyway. The very beginning bit is Steve. Do you like custard? No. Well, if you don't. Oh, you don't. Do you like wine? Of course I do. Oh, you, you are gonna love it. We, we've we've sent that to you. I've I've got that. Um, in fact, I think we should call this show. Do you like custard? Like what, my son? When yeah, Rick, I love that. What? I didn't put that one in. Like what, my son? 
Could yeah. you pop some of his skin in the frame? Four ninety nine, four ninety nine. How this is one of Ricky's slurs as well. However, how how overworked am I that I can't sort out a story about a monkey? About a monkey, yeah. The way he uh, says mon- monkey, the mon- intonation of that monkey. Yeah, yeah, he does, he's crazy. I love intonation, Gary. I love it. <laughs> Mars learned a new word this week. Intonation. <laughs> okay, this is my this is my last one. I'm afraid. I forgot to bring in a song for the ladies this week, so I thought I'd play a song for the people who enjoy the work of Deep Purple. <laughs> I've got just two, right? Um, so it's now come over and suck mummies. And then yeah. another one, my last one is, uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know what we were talking about there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Carl just trying to wrap up a link, but <laughs> doing it in the most, <laughs> in yeah. the worst way. But who, worst. Who, what, what other show says, has a producer that says that? They, well, I don't know what we're talking about there. <laughs> like, who says that? I don't know. But anyway. Uh, uh, do send in your favourite quotes, ladies and gentlemen, at trout underscore de or trout dot de yes. at gmail dot com. Um, please, yeah, please do do that. But now, um, we've got actually my favourite section. Mars hates it. He's told me off air. He doesn't like listeners. He doesn't. He, doesn't, he says he says it's okay, you know, but he really hates reading their stuff out. And I'm like, okay, well, mate, we've got to do it. I love it. Mars hates it. It's XFM in the community. Didn't have to write these out and copy and paste them into a doc and then read them out in a linear order. No, he's, he, he loves it as well. I we both love it. So, Mars, what feedback have we had this week? So, this is from John D. Uh, I used to listen uh, to the shows at bedtime. But see, when you listen during the day, driving to work, etc., the dynamic is totally different. I literally laugh out loud. Although I did skip to Andrew Phillips, which was a, a great show. We interviewed uh, the ex-controller of uh, XFM, so do listen to it that. Was, it, we wouldn't, we wouldn't say it's great. It was great for us. We loved it. We loved doing no, it. No, no, this is what he said. So oh, really? John said. Okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah. He says, um, I haven't listened to Dickers yet. Looking forward to that. It was 2006-ish that I stumbled upon the XFM stuff. I was gripped with the Guardian podcasts. And as I mentioned, the dynamic of it and me finding it even funnier during the day as opposed to snoring is amazing. (laughs) There's all these memes and stuff going around at the moment of um, people trying to sleep and then Ricky laughs and then they wake up. (laughs) This is from uh, Xanthia, fan of the show Xanthia. I asked uh, people uh, if they could go back and listen, would they have liked to have gone back and listened to the XFM shows for the very first time? Because that would have been a very different experience, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. uh, I was only 13 years old when I discovered them, so no, I wouldn't. (laughs) I don't know, 13, very traumatic time, as you can tell from my earlier anecdote about my legs being chopped off. Xanthia, did you um, jump over any rollers, whatever they are, in, in the park when you This is from Katie Pepper. She says, uh, the day I found Series Zero only about two years ago was the best day ever. Not as good without Carl, but it still counted as new. These yeah. are so revered in people's lives. They literally, re- people remember, you know, the first time they heard an XFM show. I, lo- I love that. The first kiss. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a memory of my first kiss as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is from Russell. Uh, I tried. I, I, I kissed my pillow. That yeah, counts. That counts. That counts. Still counts. This is from Russell. I tried and find them all, but I wonder if I've missed any. There's there's a whole swathe of people who are still on the lookout. On Russell, the hunt, there's so right? many. I bet you have missed. I bet we've missed. There's there's the one they did on BBC. There's only one they did on like Radio no, they, Two. Radio yeah. Two. And so those ones, they're not as good, but you know, check them out. And obviously, then you've got the podcast. But we, I've mixed feelings about the podcast. But yeah, you, basically, there's there's 
between the three of them as a, as a trio and i was saying the other week that you, there's very few trios in life very few there's there's duos there's people on their own and there's there's sort of um there's groups of people who, who perform together but very few trios if you think just their trio their work as a trio there's hundreds and hundreds of hours of content and that that's amazing there's no other trio with that amount of content especially like there's not hardly any other trios but it'd be nice to see like what we what we haven't heard because surely there were times obviously when Carl didn't hit the recorder I think he's mentioned that in like a, a previous interview that I've listened to him when in yeah so there, there must be all these like unheard years and years probably <laughs> audio that just has sort of slipped under the radio or maybe do you know the ones I would love to hear is about when Rick when um, Carl was working at a hospital radio station I would have loved loved I've heard that yeah absolutely. oh that would have just been amazing earlier in the week uh, we put a question out on our on our Twitter thread at trout underscore de Gary set that up don't have a go uh, and where we basically asked what's your favorite Carlin film and which films do you wish he'd put himself in he'd inserted himself in a lot of people are saying i'm gonna say this kez is is up there this yeah. seems to be a, a landslide at the moment so this is from simon simon says kez is the best but love scrooge we're jamming uh, yeah 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 which you know scrooge garlic i think bread. scrooge is probably my favorite garlic, garlic bread. bread is my fate one of my favorite moments of the show of all time like it's one of my favorites i absolutely love it garlic bread this is from uh robbie layard uh, he says pulp fiction pulp fiction is not one of my favorites personally they do, but they it's do. interesting to see what he does with the narrative because he transposes it, doesn't he? The the scene at the end and the and the the diner yeah, and the and the in in the hairdressers. I've, yeah. I've, that he's portraying. Yeah, it's not one of my favorites, but it's, again, it's a good one. They're actually they're all they're all they're all well, good. He's got such a good imagination, isn't he, Carl? Like yeah. he's had to come up yeah. with this. You know, essentially, it's a sketch. Yeah. he's not a copywriter, but it's a sketch. He's got very, he's, he's very good technically. He can do all the editing, but yeah, you're right. He's got a very good imagination because you have to conceive of these things, you know, to, to, especially the first ones. Because after that, they were suggesting ones he should do, and R- Ricky and Steve were probably giving him advice, like, "I'll do this one." Or but when the first one, Ricky and Steve didn't come up with the feature. They didn't come up with any features. They didn't give a shit. They never. He just did it on his own, like, "Oh, I'll put myself into a film." And he does it and it's it's so good you know it's such a clever thing to do and to conceive of and and then to execute and mm. he was head was it tight, head of production at a, a very busy radio station they joke about like his day and him being lazy he was anything but lazy like to do that in your free time that will take imagine editing all, all that together but also conceiving it that would take add hours onto his days that's like almost a day's work and he did it as well as having a job and working saturday so actually i think he deserved monday off when and that, that's why ricky is <laughs> so out of order when really criticizing well, that's what it is it's, well i know that because you would have come in on monday and, and so you've done that on your day off so you would have get, taken the piss no, even more he's <laughs> such a he's so rude but it's funny anyway this is from Adam Ratcliffe. He says the graduate was the best one, but Kez was pretty, pretty good. Sam, Kez is a masterpiece. Matt Gibson, Kez was the best one. This one's from Sarah. She says the graduate. Get your knickers off. Yeah, get your knickers <laughs> off. Get your knickers off. That's nice. Yeah. This is from Luca. Can I, can, uh, I just, can I just say at this point, like 
a very we like we we sort of say oh names we could have named the show and things like that but very very close it was and the final sort of three that i was considering and i really it was really close was how do you spell that that was gonna yeah. be that from cares obviously so that was that was i loved the case how do you spell that how do you spell that i was i'd say i tell you i was um i was i was i was watching an old simpsons episode you know the one with the lemon tree oh yeah yeah there is a mention there and and says well, where they go to shelbyville yeah that's it yeah and millhouse and his friend are selling lemonade and says we've squozen the last lemon oh really <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this one is from Lucan. Uh, when I first heard the Carl film bits, I was really impressed on how seamless they were. Contradicted what Rick and Steve said about his production Absolutely. abilities. Good Rick, Ricky took the piss out of him, saying he works with sound. Well, after all these, I think they were even a little impressed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very good point. This is from Nick T. Nick says, Kez and a few good men. All right, Tom. Uh, yeah. Also forgot how good Planet of the Apes was, too. Uh, yeah. Planet of Apes is probably my least favourite, I have to yeah, say. No, it's not a standout one for me. But I, I do, I, I know I mentioned it, but I do like the one with, um, obviously, Rayman. Yeah, that's good. Again, yeah, it's not my favourite. But... It's because the little clever things when they're talking about the book, but he, he makes the book sound like he's talking about his little book of freaks. Yeah, of course. It, it, again, it, great imagination to do that. It's not actually, it's not my favourite one. My fa- my favourites are cares. So the Scrooge one actually is not the great one. The whole of the Scrooge one is like it's okay. It's not that funny. It's, it's still it's still very impressive that he did it. But it's worth everything. Everything is for the garlic bread. The garlic bread makes it the <laughs> one of the one of the least favourite to my probably second favourite of all. So I find it funny as well because at that time end of the noughties like the big rivalry literally was i know it wasn't like a blur oasis in but it was like peter k versus ricky gervais yeah, or yeah. at least ricky gervais's perspective because phoenix knights was a fucking huge show and we'll, we'll probably come back to this you know when they're talking about the ideal dinner guest uh that carl yeah. has to come up with well he goes he's funny and he well why would you why would you say peter k when you're friends with ricky yeah, gervais? yeah 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 he talks very openly about even not even in a joking mode he sort of says He's like, like, for example, we've won a lot. You know, I know we've won a lot. Um, Peter Kay, he's won a lot. You know, they, they, they're basically, they were up for every award. And probably the office in the end ended up winning about three quarters of them. So, but the office won lots more, which is right because it's better. But Phoenix Knights is a very good sitcom. And if you're not from the UK, Phoenix Knights was uh, a comedy sitcom written by Peter Kay. And it basically depicted the lives of a group of people who were running this social club um, in the the north of England. Uh, And it's very, very funny. It's it's just great, isn't it? It's very sweet as well. And it's... uh... It's like adult, an adult social club. So it's not like a social club during the day. It's like things that like they have different guests and things. And Peter Kay plays more than one character. And he's very good. Peter Kay is incredibly talented and he's more known for stand up now. But he's done lots of good shows. But you're right. At that time, it was like a Blur Oasis thing in my head, particularly because I like both of them. As with Blur and Oasis, I like both of them, but I preferred one of them. That was Oasis then and The Office. I much preferred. So to see them win all the awards was great. But yeah, it was always like if, if 
there was an award for best sitcom and you had The Office, Phoenix Knights and then four others. The four others could forget it, basically. It was going to be Phoenix Knights or The Office. So, yeah, um, Peter Kay, great guy, but not quite as good as The Office. But So if you want to hear your thoughts or opinions on our feature, this is XFM in the community. Uh, an opportunity for you to hear your voices heard and, you know, to, to, you know, build connections. And this is what we like to see with um kind of the reason why we started the podcast recently. And uh, actually a little thing, because you, you said this to me off air, like before we started, like a thing you, you're going to start. Actually, if you want to literally hear your voices heard, get in touch with some audio as well, because we or, or I'm not sure how we, we need to kind of formalise this in some way. But at the moment, just sort of send us in some way three or four seconds of audio and we might put you in at the beginning of the show so you can literally hear your voice. And all you need to do is send in like a quote, your favourite quote. Yeah, like you said, three or four minutes. Quote, could, be, could be other. Could even snag us off. Do, do send it as an mp3 file gary doesn't know what that is but uh no, mp2s mates if you could email that in at trout.de at gmail.com and that kind of wraps up the d trout spinners podcast we do have one little feature that i like to end on yeah, gary's yeah. running to get his little ipod feature little little monkey fella little monkey fella out of his pocket this is the xfm library basically each week gary and i select a track that either has some sentimental or an inspirational song or a song that you'd like to hear as you uh, came on stage so again this was one that was kind of uh, takes me back it takes me back it was kind they were they were a brit pop band but they weren't because it was a female singer it wasn't like the classic brit pop i'm not saying it was worse it was just different but it's catatonia road rage oh, that's like that really reminds me of my sort of childhood and sort of 13 14 15 uh, years old with two two working legs the whole time <laughs> Anyway, go on. what's yours, mate? My one is they they do play a bit of Bruce Springsteen this this episode, and they've played this song actually on the show. But I'm gonna play my favourite Bruce Springsteen song, which is uh, Atlantic City. Oh, I love and, it. Beautiful. Yeah, it's Beautiful. great. And I saw Bruce Springsteen live actually at the um, Isle of Wight film um, Isle of Wight Festival, which was which was wonderful. It just such an electric, dynamic yeah. performer huge performance goes on for like three hours like he really is as steve describes him like he doesn't let up he he plays on he's incredible yeah did you know a fact bruce springs i don't know if this is true today but about five years ago it's certainly true and it probably is still true today bruce springsteen has never had a number one single in the uk or the us never had a number one in the uk or the us yeah yeah apparently so i'm sure his albums have been to number one and things but yeah never had a number one single didn't know that you're learning you're you're listening you learn here at the d trout spinners podcast well i do write for the enemy in my spare time so (laughs) Um, that's almost that's almost all we got time for ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening that is awful it's everything yeah that is Um, anyway yeah thank you for listening really appreciate it thanks for all your feedback do get in touch with your feedback we really like to hear what you think and also send in your audio and we'll we'll put you on next week but um yeah it's been great miles thanks for your thanks for your tireless efforts brilliant I'm here until at least the next episode, which will come next week. Thank you for listening, everyone. We love you lots. Yeah, well, um, I love 
we love your feedback i do genuinely we love we love doing this and we love the interaction that that you guys kind of contribute to it you make the show it's not a show without you barely a show with you but it's not certainly not a show without you thanks for listening see you next week